came to a retreat in 1989 in the fall, so we have been knowing Uncle Paul for 25 years, so that is good. How many people have been here? This is your first time right now. First time ever. Well, then all of us who have been here before go like this and welcome them because... <laughs> welcome. If this is your first time ever, then you are, uh, are welcome to guest. How many people have been here before enough to hear me speak a few times? Anybody? Okay. Three. Both of you. Okay. Well, good. That's good. Um, no, that's, a lot of people have been. We've been growing together over the years, so uh, our families have sort of intertwined. But welcome. This is Tapawingo. Camp Tapawingo is June Teen Week 2014. And of all the things I get to do this summer, I get to teach summer school driver's ed. Anybody taking driver's ed lately? Or do y'all, no one ever takes driver's ed in Tennessee. It's okay. Uh, I get to teach two classroom sessions, and I'm teaching people in the car. Paul said, what do they have in common? Church planning and driver's ed, you know what they have in common? You do what a lot? Pray, pray absolutely. So uh, <laughs> I pray a whole lot. Welcome to Teen Week, June 9th through the 13th, and I'm Edgar Moser. My family, if you know a little bit about me over the years, you probably remember all these things. Let me see how much you know, a little bit of a... That's my guitar. I didn't bring it because we don't have it big enough to... Uh, just kidding. Um, we came, by the way, of the Bristol right through there. Anybody ever been on that road? Yeah, State Street and all that stuff. Going past the famous Maryland Fried Chicken right up through there. I think that's the only one in the continental United States, Maryland Fried Chicken. We go right past this big guitar. So I stopped there and we thought we'd take that picture. Took that about five years ago. Let me introduce you to a little bit of uh, the people I've grown to love over the years. Who's the guy at the left? Uh, Dave Grace, and then at the right there's Paul, uh, that was taken shortly after Paul got out of prison. But anyway, uh, no, I just kidding, <laughs> and I was thankful enough we were at the lake that day, you notice something odd about the picture at the right? It's not raining. Okay, I just thought I'd throw that out. Dave Grace to the left, Paul to the right, maybe you memorize all these people's names, how about this guy, who was... That's Jack Tuttle. He and Paul were the first ones to invite me to Camp Tapawingo 25 years ago. We met right there where Dave and Kathy are, right back there. Had 11 people for our retreat. That might have been counting me. I don't know. But anyway, we had a small group. We had a great time. So Jack is important in the history that I've got. This was a little skit we called, I think. It was Men in White Shirts or something like that. Okay. Uh, I'm the one going like this. Well, I think we're all going like it. But anyway, I'm the one in front of the red and about one person. And then there's Andy to the right. Uh, he had just woken up, so we got up and did this skit. No, we, we look like a tigress pup or, you know, whatever. Lots of things have changed. That chapel is right where you are. And this is Paul's senior picture from high school. No, I'm just kidding. I, that's a lie. Paul never went to high school. This is when Paul, <laughs> Paul came to Roanoke, Virginia to do a... Magic show at our church plant right outside of a little place called Huff Lane School. Now, let me show you how much has changed in this picture. Right over to the right, that big strong brick building, that's Huff Lane Elementary School. We launched our church in that building. That building's gone now. They decided to tear it down to build another hotel in Roanoke, and that'll make the, uh, I think, about the 12th hotel right there in the area. But anyway, we moved from Huff Lane up to Round Hill Elementary School. We've grown a little bit from five or six to about 40. We've had 20 baptisms in two years, roughly. So God's at work, and we're now gaining our new building. This will be the third place we've been in. So pray for us. But that was my... Andy, go back to that. Sorry, I didn't mean... That's my son, Andy. He's got the LifePoint shirt on, and there's our big LifePoint banner. 
and Andy's running the media stuff back there for me. Uh, I don't care who you are, Stephen Curtis Chapman better have a band backing him up. Whoever's in front speaking better have somebody they can count on. Andy's my faithful son, and he accompanies me so many places. And there's, again, my good friend here at camp, Embrace the Cross Paul. He did a magic show for us, and actually some people got saved from that magic show. So I appreciate Uncle Paul. Anybody else you want to know? Well, you better know the Moser family. There's Jenny, my wife, uh, taken right over in the dining hall. And we love one another. We celebrated 33, 33 years together June 6th, this, this past Friday. 33 years. So that was good. So I'm, I'm grateful for Jenny. We're still in love and still in debt. But, you know, that's okay. We're, we're, um, next person is bridal to the Moser. That's Tori, my kitty cat. Um, Tori was a little chilly that day, so we put a sweater on him. Uh, it's easier to put that on than his leather jacket. You know, the zipper just gets caught in the fur and everything. So it's anyway... I can put Tori on a leash and walk him around in our neighborhood. <laughs> Seriously, I got five kitty cats and I can walk two of them on a leash. Bring up a child in the way he should go when he's old and won't depart. Well, you can bring up a cat on the leash and he'll never, you know, I can just hold the leash right there and just walk him up and down the street. People say, are you walking a cat? No, he's walking me. No, no. <laughs> Tori just goes along and it's fun. He'll stop in front of houses and God seems like he says, pray for these people. So Tori and I are good friends. This is Hokey. He is a... Uh, one of my five kitty cats, he's got asthma. He just showed up at the house one day, and uh, next thing we knew, he had a runny nose, a little bit of this, and couldn't do it. We took him to the vet, and they said, do you want us to put him down? And I thought, I don't know, do you want me to put you down? You know, I gave him that option, and no, you can't. Anybody got asthma? You want us to put you down? Of course not. What's the deal with that? I mean, you want us to kill your cat? Do you mean to kill you? You know, so I said, no, we're, it's going to cost a lot of money, and I said, it's okay. So we began giving him asthma. He'll jump up on the bed, I'll do this. Pop some pills down, and he's staying healthy. He hadn't had an asthma attack for four years. Uh, I know I'm crazy, but that's okay. I just keep Hokey alive that way. He chases the other cats, and every once in a while has to stop and pull out. <laughs> okay, and then he takes off running again. So it's uh, Hokey's asthmatic. He's uh, a special kitty cat, but he's been around several years. And one more member to the... Oh, that's Lindsay. Lindsay's an intern working at LifePoint church and she's here tonight and Lindsay's a good friend of the Moser family too so uh, I thought I would introduce you to some guys to, that mean a lot to us and there they are. Welcome to Life Point. No this is just welcome to Camp Tappalooga. I say welcome to Life Point every Sunday and this is just like our church plant. We're at home, we're sitting down and we're going to hear from Jesus. So I'm glad you're here this year. Welcome to Teen Week. What do you think of when you think of this right here? What do you think of when you think of living proof? Paul told me the theme this week was uh, living proof. I know Beth Moore has got a ministry called Living Proof. I know there's a singing group called Living Proof. But I just took one word off of this living proof, and I narrowed it down to just the word proof. So what do you think of when you think of just this one word proof? I don't know. I could go around the room, just that short little word proof. I got three things popped to my mind. You've got to remember I'm a school teacher. I've taught driver's ed for 14 years at Salem High School. So I am a man of prayer. Scariest thing ever happened, driver's ed. Let's see. We were getting on the interstate. Anybody like interstate? Good. Yeah, we're getting ready to merge on. People are like, I just hate merging. That's the only hard part about interstate. And all it is is a lane change. Check your mirrors, give you a signal. Blind spot check. Steering control. Cruise. Yeah, we're good. So this young girl went, checked the mirrors, gave a signal, went, it was a double UPS tractor trailer going by at that time. So do you speed up and jump in front of you, drop back and drop behind you, you just go underneath it and come up on the other, you know. <laughs> I mean, she did this. Ah! 
She took her hands off the wheel, screamed, and covered her eyes. And I went, oh, dear Lord, we just ready for you, God. We just want to know I didn't do that. I just, oh, she's nervous. So I grabbed the wheel like this, pushed down the accelerator. Couldn't quite get the signal. on. And I went in front of that truck right there. I said, Michelle, you okay? She took down, hands trembling. And I said, look in the rearview mirror. And she went, how do you get behind us? I thought, no help to you. I didn't, but I didn't say that. I said, I said, well, we still have enough time to jump in front of it. Oh, I'm just so scared. Well, I'll give you a signal. We're going to get off. Oh, thank you, because we're going to get right back home. I hate you. It's okay. I don't care. I'm already married, so it doesn't matter whether you hate me. All right, we're going to get right back on. And I put her right back on because what scared her, we had to get over that. She's now married and got three kids in therapy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I can still see her. She's Mr. Moses, remember that day on the interstate? I went, how could I forget? So I've had some scary times. I needed proof. Can you prove to me that you can drive? And I pass you, and I actually can give driver's licenses in the state of Virginia. So, what proof comes to mind being a teacher and being a church planner? Here's three things. I got one of them that's probably going to be a little bit odd to you. But when I think of the word proof, I think of coins. I think of number two, evidence. And number three, alcohol. This is my driver's ed background. Hang on, I'll, I'll show you what I mean. Of these three things, coins, evidence, and alcohol, how did you get proof from coins? Don't say it. Does anybody know where I'm going with coins and proof? A couple of you might. Okay, check this out then. When I think of coins, the annual proof set has long time been a favorite of coin collectors. That is the, that's the first set that comes off, so that would be the brand new one. Wouldn't you want that? I want that first set. Why? Because it's the best. That would be the first off the line. It tells you that proof coinage is created through a special process. First of all, they shine up and just make brilliant those discs at the back. Those blank, specially polished dies just make that so shiny. And then they strike it not once but about three times till they just bury that image in there. And that coin comes off looking perfect. Now, it doesn't look perfect like in your pocket because you've worn it down. But that first set that comes off for early proof coins type of finish is less common or scarce. Making cameo and deep cameo examples highly desirable. That's the very first coin. So this is what I think of when I think of a proof set. It looks like this. That dime at the right, that's the Roosevelt dime. What's on the left? Anybody recognize that? That's the, that's the shield off the Lincoln penny. Yeah, so here's what that is. Lincoln shield penny and a Roosevelt dime. That's a mint proof set. How would you handle these things, by the way? Put on the white gloves? Yeah, and it's like, okay, we can't. Here we go. It is perfect. No mar, no scar, no nothing. This is it. Wow, don't touch it. That, no, don't, don't touch it. You know, if this was your coin set... You can just sit back. Don't touch it, Bill. You can only what? Look. Yeah, don't touch my coins. If you have a coin set, some of you collected the state quarters years ago. Yeah, there they are. It's a mint set. This came out a long time ago. How many years ago? What year was that? Y'all remember? You don't know, do you? Okay, it doesn't matter. But anyway, <laughs> that's a proof set. Anybody got proof coins at home? Very shiny. If you got a coin collection... Yeah, it's like, okay, this is perfect. So I think of things that are perfect being proof. My second one was evidence. So maybe you can go this. Coins are perfect. Remember this. I'm going to come back. Quiz time minute. Coins are perfect. That's the proof coins. All the rest of them are just, mm, no big deal. So if somebody pulled it out and said, here's a quarter. Oh, that's shiny, but that's not a mint condition. A lot of times they call mint and proof the same thing. So if you buy a coin from mint condition, that means it's perfect. No flaws, no nothing. I also thought, after coins being perfect, of evidence being this. 
evidence being proof. So we got, they'll show up at a crime scene. These guys, they'll dust, that guy's dusting for prints on that doorknob right there. They're looking for clues, and the clues will often be submitted, and then they'll figure out what's going on. They'll prove someone's innocence or guilt by that. And then the lawyer takes that and goes to court and says, Listen, we'd like to present this as exhibit A of evidence for, and they'll either try to prove or disprove what someone's saying. So I think of the second one. Coins, perfect. Evidence, proof. We're going to offer proof as something else. And I got one last one. After the proof, alcohol. And you say, what in the world did you get from that? Well, I'm a driver's ed teacher, remember? So here's what I want to show you. I show this to my class sometimes. Not the exact same thing, but it'll serve for our purpose. Proof. If someone is, uh, if a drink is 80 proof, that means what's half of 80? 40% alcohol. If something's 100 proof, then it's 50%. Do you know it's sad to say that there is a company that makes a vodka that's 200 proof? So that's what? What purpose would that be except to get drunk? I mean, 100% alcohol, it wouldn't take a whole lot to... You know, again, just think of poison being in, in limited. So if I eat something here and it's turned out that it's got a touch of poison in it, I might get by if it's not a whole lot. I had an uncle who is now, he's left this earth, he's in eternity, but uh, I remember my uncle Hoover, he, he had this little dog, and he told me this, I had no idea, but he said he was walking with his little dog when he was a little boy, like 10 or 12 years old, and as he was walking past the water of the creek, and there in Big Stony Creek, come up on this little mill, he's going past that, and all at once, boom, like that, and a, and a snake, uh, honest this was, snake jumps out, catches the dog. So it bites the dog about three times. Dog's going to die. Fourth time, as he turns around and tries to kick it free, the snake bites him. Which one dies? The dog does. Why? It emptied all the what? Poison into the dog. Dog didn't have a chance. By the time on about the fourth one, the poison's now not very strong. Bites my uncle. He doesn't die. So that in essence, that dog saved his life. So a lot of poison at once. That's what I think of here. 200 proof. That's 100% poison. Might as well be. So I can offer you this. A 12-ounce beer. 12 ounces. 5% alcohol. And five-ounce glass of wine, but it's 12% alcohol, so they're really even. An ounce and a half of whatever you'd want to call it, bourbon, whatever, that's 80 proof, makes it 40%, 40 times, hey, all this is the same, because 12 times 5 is 0.60, 40 times 1.5, 0.60, and 5, yeah. So all those pack the same punch. So which one would get you drunk quicker? They're all the same. So it's delusional. Some people like, now college people would argue with that. They would say, I can drink a lot of beer, 12 ounces, and I don't get as drunk as you drinking a little shot. Well, yeah, you do. As a matter of fact, you'll end up a lot of times worse than I will if I'm drinking that little shot because after a couple of those, I stop. You, on the other hand, drink a keg, you know, and just put your mouth on it and turn it up. It's bad enough that you're drinking more, but you, you get that false sense of security. Since this is not very strong, I'll drink it more, okay? That's not true. So the percentage of alcohol or the portion of that drink that is alcohol makes all the difference. I need to know, how big is the drink? If you called a poison control center and said, I need your help, my little sister went into the kitchen 
We weren't watching her. I'm sorry. And she opened up the kitchen cabinet, grabbed something. They'd instantly tell you, tell me what it is, how much she's induced, or how much she is, you know, swallowed, because we might have to induce vomiting or something. Well, it's just a little touch of something, but I don't, okay, okay, you're telling me what I need to know. I need to know how much. So you mean there's only a little amount in the left, mm, pretty strong. So alcohol, I think of this, the word portion. I need to know what portion. Okay, if you got a... Uh, Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. I'm only going to give you a few verses. Tonight's an introductory message. I'm going to get you to think with me. So do, I welcome you. Do feel at home. If this is your first time, welcome to Tapawingo. I feel uh, part of the family here. I can, I'm only here a week, but I can been here so much, I want to welcome you. I hope you feel at ease. But here's what I'm going to pray as you find Matthew chapter 5. Here's what we'll do. Everybody got Matthew chapter 5? It's in the New Testament. First book, flip over the New Testament, don't laugh. Some people, oh, we got this. Not everybody knows the Bible like some of you do. Okay? So we're going to Matthew. We're going to chapter 5. We're going to find verse 48. But I want to show you something. Let's consider these three things as they pertain to the Bible. What were the three things, quiz time? What was the very first P word that I gave you? Perfect. So, number one, perfect. And the verse that goes with that is Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Perfect, prove, and the last one was portion. Now, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And it says this. Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, okay, run that by me again. We can actually substitute. That word perfect really means I'm perfect before God, I'm righteous. So it's really be ye therefore perfect or be righteous before God. Be you perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now some of you just now thought, well, there's no way I'm going to be perfect. Well, then you don't understand righteousness. So watch this. Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Good goal to shoot for. Since you can't be perfect, since you can't be righteous, be ye therefore righteous, just like God's righteous. I can't be righteous. Well, why not do this? And this is not always permissible. But if I went to Burger King and I worked for five hours... Next day I'm supposed to go in five hours and I go, you know, I just can't make it. Well, I'll tell you what, you find one of your friends, Harold, yes, go work for me today five hours. I just don't feel like it. Okay, I'll take your shift. He comes in, the manager says, I don't care who works, I just need five hours of work from somebody. Harold shows up and says, I'm here to take Edgar's place. Okay, get in there, get to work. So he just now, he made that perfect, he made the situation perfect because he took my place. Well, so Jesus says this, God says, be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He wants you to be perfect. And since I can't be, I'm going to have to have someone step in for me. And we know who that is. Jesus is perfect. So he says, can I take Edgar's place? God says, okay, how are you going to take it? I need a perfect, sinless, blemishless, sacrificial. I'll do that. And so Jesus goes, dies on the cross, pays for my sins, and all i got to do is say, Jesus, I accept your payment. You've now made me perfect. So I invite Jesus into my heart. And from now on, God looks at Jesus instead of me. I've been made perfect. Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I can't do that, so I want to show you something else. Would you look up Romans chapter 5? And it's just a few chapters over to the right. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And Romans chapter 5 says this. Let 
I can even start reading at verse 6. You see, at just the right time, hmm, just the right time, when we were all still powerless or sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look at verse 8 again. But God demonstrates or proves His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if you say, I'll make myself better. No, can't do that. Slide over to Hebrews. Just a few chapters. I know it sounds like a sword drill tonight, but it's not. I won't give you a ton of verses. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If you don't know where Hebrews is at, it's toward the... If you've got a Bible like mine, it's found on page 1,498. Doesn't help because none of you have a Bible like mine, but anyway. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, my three things. We're going to take perfect, prove, and portion. And remember what I said to begin with. That those coins, they're perfect. That's a mint set. We look up evidence to prove what somebody is innocent or guilty. And then we finally we consider it even alcohol. But let me take that evidence thought. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is a being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. King James will say it something like this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for in the what? Evidence of things not seen. If somebody was an atheist and said, Prove to me God exists. I'm going to give you this verse again. For faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith causes me to hope, like I hope in heaven. I hope that, yeah, faith gives me hope. But just take that little phrase out. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. My faith in God proves that God exists. So if an atheist comes out, you prove to me God exists, I'll prove to you God exists by my faith. I will be such a radically transformed man that you'll say somebody, something had to get a hold of you because you're not the man you used to be. And you know what that is? That's something, someone, whoever they're like, that's God. God's got a hold of me. So God living in me is evidence that He exists. Isn't that cool? So if they put me on a witness stand and somebody says, you prove that Edgar Moser exists. I am Edgar Moser. That's pretty good proof. Uh, no objection to that. And they sit down. Prove to me that God exists. And I don't mean this, don't take this the wrong way now. Uh, if somebody says, show me that Jesus exists. I am Jesus. Now don't lock me up in the crazy house. I don't mean that, but I'm Jesus. Literally. But since Jesus lives in me, aren't I Jesus? Matter of fact, what do they do? They make fun of us. According to the Bible, that's what they did to the early church. What name did they give the early church people in Antioch to make fun of them? I'm going to call it, y'all are like little Christ, you, you, you Christians. That was an insult. Today it's a compliment. Oh, Edgar, you're acting like a Christian. Good, because I am. You act like Jesus. Thank you. I hope I always do. Well, oh, here he is again. Here's like Jesus coming in the room. Wouldn't it be such a compliment? Now, the world doesn't mean it as a compliment. They rag on us doing that. But it's okay. I had a job one time, and I, I never preached at people. But they would say something to the effect of like, you know, they might be cursing. And they just, I just let it go. And after a while they said, you know, I noticed you never cuss. You don't want to listen to these stories. What's different about you? Well, I can tell you. Oh, so you're a Christian. And one of the people tried to have fun a little bit. I didn't mind that. I just took it as a joke. So I came into the break room one day. 
And somebody said, oh, here's Edgar again. He's going to start preaching. Let's pass. Let's get an offering. They passed an, an ashtray around. People take out change, put it in the ashtray. Yeah, here, let's take it out for the preacher. What did I do when the ashtray came to me? I took the coins out. Oh, thanks. Put the ashtray back. Buy me a Coke with that now. You weren't supposed to keep it. Well, you took it out. Thanks. So I just went along with the joke, and that's okay. But they almost say that as picking We are God's evidence. The best evidence of God from heaven says, prove to the world that I exist. I will. Now, this is where I really want you to think. Portion. Anybody got an answer for this? When Jesus saves you, now it's, it's a matter of terms. If you say, I've invited Jesus into my heart. Or if you say, dear God, does it matter who I pray with? Well, technically, I just want you to talk to God. If you say, can I say, dear Jesus? Sure. And I've said this before, Holy Spirit just engulfed this place just over. So you're praying to the, well, they're all the Trinity. I won't get into all that, but they're all equal. So if you say, I've got the Holy Spirit in my heart, you're true. You say that. Well, I've asked Jesus into my heart. Jesus says in John 14, I'll give you a comforter who is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit really comes into my heart. Now, I hope you know this. Bible scholars, I'm going to ask you. When the Holy Spirit comes into my heart, when does He leave? Never. Well, what if I sin? He never leaves. So if I say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm lost. I admit that I need you and I'm just tired. So Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? Salvation occurs in a split second. Growth occurs over, <laughs> well, you tell that. I don't know, years. So I'm saved in a heartbeat, but my heart has changed over months, weeks, years, whatever you want to say. So the Holy Spirit comes into my heart. Now, I've got a question for you. Turn to second, well, you don't have to, but Second Kings chapter 2, verse 9 says this. There's a man in the Bible who's a, his name is Elisha. Man in the Bible whose name is Elijah. Anybody ever heard of Elijah? Elijah was a guy at Mount Carmel. You know, whoa, Baal, burn up things. Yeah, that was Elijah. It come time for Elijah. He was defeated one day. He just felt discouraged because somebody wanted to kill him. Anybody remember that mean king's wife that wanted to kill him? Jezebel. We even say that in a derogatory way. That girl looks like a Jezebel over there. You know, why is that? All painted up. Hey, she's a Jezebel. Well, that was a derogatory remark. Arrived King Ahab's wife was Jezebel. Well, Jezebel got mad and went to kill Elijah. So Elijah went over, got under a tree. Right after the Mount Carmel experience, I believe that was in uh, chapter 17, he goes over and crawls under a juniper tree, which is a broom tree. He gets under there and just says, Big strong prophet. God just, I just pray that you'd let me what? Die. God's got a sense of humor. Elijah, since you pray that you'll die, you'll never die. I'm going to take you to heaven without dying. And along comes a fiery chariot spinning, and Elijah just stands there, so like Star Trek, and <laughs> zoom, you know. Everybody looks around, beam me up, too. No, it doesn't work that way. Beam me up, Scotty. Uh, it, it just doesn't work. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Telemarket, three prophets in front, they're gone. You can't do that. But Elijah said, God just let me die. No, because you prayed it. No answer to that prayer. I'm going to take you up without dying. Why? <laughs> I'm just going to take you in a fiery chariot. So Elisha, his successor, says, Elijah, and he just follows him around two or three places, and it finally comes time for Elijah to leave. And Elisha says, 
I want to be like you. What do you want me to do for you? I mean, it's like you're just sticking to me. Before I take off, what can I do? He said, let a double portion of your spirit fall on me. Rephrase that for me. Let me be what? Twice the man you are. Wow, you're asking a lot. But okay. I mean, I would pray that. I hope Andy's twice the man that I am. He said, we love you. I want you to love Andy twice as much. I hope Andy replaces me one day. The best compliment for any teacher is to be replaced by someone who has cared about him so much that he says, your work will continue. What do you think the 11 disciples did when Jesus, Jesus says, it's come time, just like Elijah, I'm going to be taken up into heaven. And the disciples, I can just, wait, don't, don't leave, please, don't. he's gone. You know why he left? Because you're ready. And I'm sure they probably thought, we're not ready. We're, oh my. <laughs> and the angels come over and have to almost like, Pfft. what are y'all waiting around for? We was hoping he'd sort of come back. Nope. Won't do that until he takes us all home. So don't stand here gazing into the sky. Can you imagine all the disciples going? And they look over at the guy, the angels stand beside him. What are you looking for? We're just looking for Jesus. He's not coming back just yet. So you better get busy. Why are you standing here gazing into the sky? Don't you know that this same Jesus that was taken from you will one day come again on Mount Olivet? Foot touches down. Yeah. Y'all better get busy. We've got to save a lot of people. Okay, and they went back to Jerusalem and got busy. So guess what? Elisha is going to have a chance to get busy. Can I have a double portion of your spirit fall on me? Just make me twice the man that you are. And Elijah is taken up. And Elisha, by the way, how many miracles do you think Elijah did? Seven. Elisha? Fourteen. Maybe God did want him to be twice the man. I want to use this as a springboard to show you something. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a believer right now. You say, I don't know if I've ever asked Jesus to save you. I'll address both of you. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, I know I'm a believer. I know the Holy Spirit lives in me. But I don't know how potent it is. I don't know if the Holy Spirit's really strong in my life. I don't know how. Remember that alcoholic drinking example I showed you a minute ago? Some drinks, they don't have much alcohol in them. Others have a lot. Well, it's the same as you. I think some Christians, they have the Holy Spirit in them, but it's almost like He's... And other people... So the Holy Spirit's in you and it's in me if we're believers, but I just want, I want to use this as sort of like a springboard to get you to thinking with me. Think of the Holy Spirit being alcohol. Remember my third example, alcohol. Just, just for a second. If you take a lot of alcohol, what happens? You get drunk. If I take a lot of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's right here. Well, how do I get a lot of the Holy Spirit? Well, you can do three things to the Holy Spirit. I can either be filled with Him, I can be controlled by Him. Some of you had a blank stare on your face just a minute ago. Go back to the field. Gas tank in your car. Ooh. Y'all have never done that, have you? I'm just, oh, I'm sorry. I guess it's full. Yeah, quit pumping it once it comes out, okay? It's full. It won't take any more. That's filled. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm, since I'm filled, I'm now controlled by the Holy Spirit. You can do one more thing to the Holy Spirit. Sad. You can quench Him. So Holy Spirit, 
He can fill you, he can control you, but sometimes you can quench him and you can sort of take away a little bit of the power. You won't listen to him. Does, uh, does that have a parallel with drinking alcohol? Some people get filled with what? Alcohol. Guess what alcohol does? Controls them. They're not the man they used to be. They're over there with a lampshade on their head. Hey, you know, doing the big low. It's like, and half an hour later, uh, you know, we laugh with that, and I, maybe I shouldn't do that, but it's like, my old high school, Giles High School, they played in about five state championships, and they're a strong football team. And you go up there at the football game sometimes, and there's this little group sets up on the hill. I guess every high school's probably got these guys. They're up there. They're about, yeah, they're, they're wasted before they ever come to the game. I mean, really, it's sad. If, they, if they'd go out to their car, you know what they're going out there for. It's not to get batteries for a flashlight, that's for sure. You know, they're going out there, and they drank another guy, and they come back, yeah, you know, and they're about ready to fall. And it's sad. We laugh, but it's really, you'd laugh for a few seconds, then after a while you'd quit because you think, this is sad. You walk past there to get your hot dog at halftime. They're up there, pants probably soaked. They've wet all over themselves. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, like, do y'all even know there's a game going on? Turn around this way. The field is, oh, okay. Yelling at the weeds and the cows there for two hours, you know. You don't even know where you're at. Alcohol has now not just filled you, it's what? It's controlled you. And you've become a fool. You know what I really feel sorry for? If that's a daddy, and guess what? Son's playing football. Son comes off three touchdowns. Yeah! And dad didn't even see the last two. Thanks, Dad, for embarrassing me again. Appreciate that. I've had my uncle come up and kiss me on the forehead before. Thanks. Right in the middle of everybody. Appreciate that. You're drunk again, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. And that'll sort of quench any party, you know. Hey, we're filled, we're controlled, but you can quench what's going on there. Well, I compare that to the Holy Spirit. Here's how I want to do the Holy Spirit. If I can get filled and then let it control me, Hmm, I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit's work in me. Once it starts, let me get you to thinking. I'm going to use it as a springboard and show you this. What portion of the Holy Spirit? Now, here's really the meat of the message tonight. You're here this week to enjoy Camp Tapawingo. I'm glad you're here. And if you're here to say, you know what, I feel like I'm a little rusty being a Christian. And some of you may be on fire, hallelujah, you are filled, you're controlled. But some of the rest of you have sort of like, now the Holy Spirit never leaves you. Remember, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the Holy Spirit is sort of like, like that young guy, 18, comes out of high school and he joins the Marines. He's six foot one, weighs 145, looks like a kite. You know, whew, you know, the wind would lift him off the ground. Six one, 145 is not huge. He joins the Marines. You come back out, six one, 178. You know, <laughs> tear the head off of somebody. Yeah, he's ready to tackle the world, and he is. He's stronger. He's physically. So now he's went from being sort of weak to where he's stronger. If I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I become a stronger Christian. If somebody comes up and says, you're ugly and I hate your guts, I'm sorry you feel that way. God bless you. I say, wow, five years ago you'd have fought that guy. I know, I don't, don't want to find that anymore. How come? God controls me now. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm not the man I what? Used to be. So what portion of the Holy Spirit does the Holy Spirit have of you? Remember, the more I drink, <laughs> the more I'm controlled. Well, let's pretend like the Holy Spirit is alcohol. Check this out. If the Holy Spirit is not in you, here's what's controlling you. Well, who is controlling you? 
Who's controlling you? Satan. Really? Satan ain't telling me what to do. You just keep thinking that. You've already believed the first lie. Because if God ain't telling you what to do, Satan is. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Okay. I think the devil already is. You know, if Grandma comes in, could you wash the dishes? Ow! Grandma, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Okay. You slap Grandma on the face. I don't know what went wrong with you right there. Why would you be disrespectful? Why would you be that way? Ain't nobody going to The devil is telling you what to do. Why? You wouldn't be acting like that. I just love, you know, disrespect. Hey, Grandma. Grandma blocks it. Don't mess with me. I'm Grandma. It's <laughs> what they ought to do when you be disrespectful. My students will do that sometimes. I'll come in, hey, what? Is that your feet on my desk up there? Yeah. I do that to house. This ain't your house. Get your feet in the floor. Or I'll rip your legs off and beat you in the face with them. Okay, okay? <laughs> it does help when you're 6'3", 230 to talk that way, but, you know. No, I just. If the Holy Spirit is in you, not in you, that's zero. It's hard to control your temper. Now, some people do. I don't know how they do it. I couldn't make it in this world, but if the Holy Spirit's not in you, it's tough to control the temper. It's tough to mm, guard my words. How about this one? If the Holy Spirit influences you occasionally, maybe 50-50. Okay, we don't punch Grandma. We don't, we don't do that. We don't get disrespectful in school, but we still got a... We might have an attitude that flares up every once in a while. It's like the little kid member in the front seat, and Daddy says, you've got to sit down. You've got to sit down. Mm-mm. <laughs> sit down. Mm-mm. You sit down right now, I'm going to pull this car over. <clears throat> and he sits down. And he looks and he says, Daddy, I'm sitting down, but in my mind, I'm still standing up. We're going to whip your mind then just in a minute, okay? I'm sorry. I'll sit down. My attitude is, I'll do it, but I don't want to do it. Oh. I'll do it because I have to. There's that attitude just bouncing out. Or how about this one? This would really be cool. If the Holy Spirit controls you 100%. Boy, to, to mind your, guard your lips. That's what the Bible says. Um, he says, is that just us? No, it's people in the Bible all the time. It says, I've made a covenant with my eyes that they won't look at something that's unwholesome. That's a, that takes a lot of power. You're not going to get that on your own. Holy Spirit has to give it to you. It's almost like a super vitamin, you know. So the last thing, I'll point this one up to you, too. So let's make sure we're L-U-I. What's L-U-I? Well, what's D-U-I? Living under the influence. I like that. It's uh, instead of driving under the influence. Think about this, living under the influence. So the Holy Spirit's influenced me so much that I'll talk different, I'll walk different, I'll act different. And sometimes people don't understand that, and they just sort of make fun of it. But I don't, I don't really care. It's sort of living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit, can, can it really control me? Acts 1.8 says this, For you shall receive power after the what? Amen. Holy Ghost has come upon you. I need some power because I don't think I'm fighting very well right now. Hmm. Holy Spirit has helped put the church where it is right now at life point. Sometimes a family will come for weeks and then all of a sudden they just disappear. And I get a little bit discouraged and the Holy Spirit reminds me of things. And the Holy Spirit helps me become more like Jesus. I'll give you a couple of examples. Just watch this. 
we have a Wednesday night Bible study. Like you said, well, we do it at our church. Mainly in my Bible study, our Bible study is in my living room. It's about as many as 8, 12 people. So we don't meet at the church plant. But let me show you what God teaches me on Wednesday. God's got to have a sense of humor. About six weeks ago, it's been a little bit longer. I used to say a month ago. Now it's been about six or seven weeks ago. We had Bible study one night. Tell me if the Holy Spirit doesn't control you. Um, I must need working on too. I do. God says, I'm going I'm to work on you a little bit here now. Thank you. If I'd have known this, I'd have prayed, well, oh, wow, what are you going to do now? You know? Because some of us have things or attitudes or atti actions that we don't, we're sort of like a little kid with the toys behind us, and God says, let me have it. Mm -mm. Let me have it. Mm -mm. Let me have it. How about that other hand, too? <sighs> let me see your hands. You still got something else, don't you? Let me have it. What are you playing? Pockets out. And God does that to us. But that's good. Let me have that. No, that attitude. Let me have that. Well, he must have wanted something from me. Wednesday night, we got through Bible study. Everybody leaves. We clicked on whatever it was, Duck Dynasty or something. I'm sitting there watching that at 11 o'clock. 11.30, I started, <clears throat> that hurts a little bit here. Yeah, I'm Giles. I'm tough. Yeah. Eat a nail. Yeah, you know, I can handle that. <laughs> God says, you think you're strong? Let me show you how strong you are. I'm going to take you to your knees, literally. God, I'm good. Okay. <clears throat> I don't want to tell. I'm going to run in here just to the bathroom a second. I went there in the bathroom and went, uh, sit down just for a second. Oh, this is starting to hurt a little bit. I ain't going to tell anybody I'm hurting. You okay? Yeah, good. <laughs> I finally come back out of the bathroom about 40 minutes later. My son, Andy, what are you doing in there, camping out or something? I'm just like, I said, no, Andy, uh, passing a kidney stone. That's what I think it is. Really? Yeah. You okay? Yeah, I'm going to shake this off. Watch me. There, I shook it up. <laughs> I can't shake this off. I went in there and tucked my knees to my chest, rolled. There is no comfortable position. At 1.30, two hours later, I finally told Jenny, I said, uh, I'm stubborn. Maybe some of y'all are. I'm just stubborn. Take it. Mm. No, mm. That's me. God says, I'm going to break you right here. So I'm down literally on my knees, rolling on my back, going, ah. Oh. It felt like there was a brick wrapped in barbed wire going through my intestines about that time. You know, it's like not quite that big. It's hurting. And I finally said, Jenny, I guess I'm going to have to go to the emergency room. I hate the emergency room. They will never know me at the emergency room because they'll never see me. I was born in a hospital, and that's, I think it's the last time I went. But anyway, I said, I've got to go ahead and go. And I literally was like this, grab both pants and go. That was me coming in the emergency room. I said, I hope I haven't waited too late because I'm going to pass out here in the vehicle. I got in the vehicle, and I said, Jenny, run every red light. I don't care. Driver's head. Who don't care about driver's head now? Run every red light you can. If it's a pedestrian, I hope that they're saved. <laughs> because I've got to get to the hospital. Pull into the hospital. I'm going literally going like this. The guy says, you look like you're in pain. <laughs> Are you detective? I mean, how did you just figure that out? I said, I'm going to lay down in the floor right here just so I can pass out. I mean, well, first of all, we need your name. <laughs> and what size shoes do you I said, Jenny, you're going to have to fill this form out. I'm going to slide right down here. Now, we, I think we got, bring him on in here. 
not too fast. Went in there and laid down at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And just a few, 6 o'clock, they told me what was wrong. Four hours. I could have given birth in that time. I mean, it's got to leave us like, <laughs> tell me what's wrong. I have a feeling I know it's probably a kidney stone. We're going to have to do some tests. Okay. Don't be in a rush. They said, we're going to have to do a CT scan, all that sort of thing. They come back in, and finally they said, you got a 4.5 milliliter, millimeter. It felt like a liter of pop. But anyway, it's a 4.5 millimeter kidney stone going through you. Okay, just give me something for the pain before I shoot a chair leg off. I mean, I'm, I'm hurting. Well, take this one. Thank you. Got a prescription on the way home. By the time I took that, pain went down literally on a scale of 1 to 10. It was 12. It finally got down under 10. It was about 9. I got home, sat down, went back up. I said, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm going to pass out again. But I'm not going back to the doctor. By the way, that little emergency visit, $3,000. I could have bought a car. I mean, <laughs> that's what I kept thinking of. Anyway, I ended up having to pay 600 thanks to my great insurance policy. Um, I should have just went ahead and donated a kidney while I was there, and it would have taken care of the <laughs> hospital bill. But anyway, I came back home. Wednesday night went into Thursday, into Friday, into Saturday. Jenny and Andy would get up, go to school, and I'd sit there, and I'd think, God, you must want my attention. He said, I do. Are you trusting me? I thought I was. I need you to trust me more than you ever have. Okay. What do you want from me? I need every bit. I need the Holy Spirit to control you so much so if someone would come up and about cuss you out, you're going to stay calm and you're going to stay controlled. And, or if it's Satan, you just, oh God, whatever. And I got so I love you, Lord. Comes in a Tuesday of next week. I could not preach on that Sunday. I got up and thought, I'm going to do it. No, I'm not. I went right into the floor. I said, Andy, you got to preach. you got a half an hour to get ready. Got it. He went up there and preached. Fourteen people got saved, two went to the mission field. No, no I was just kidding. Uh, but it's like, <laughs> Andy did a great job. I heard a lot of compliments, and it's like, hope you get sick more. I mean, anyway, uh, Tuesday afternoon, Jenny and Andy are gone. I didn't take a pain pill. I was taking pain pills about once a day, and that's all I was doing. But that Tuesday morning, I got up and went, no pain pills. Supposed to go in at 9, didn't do it. <sighs> get a good breath, and God says, you ready? And I just... Um, you almost go into that next world, you know, there just for a second. I was hoping it's like, God, I'm hanging on to you. You know, you, you sort of like, there's a care barrier selling toothpaste. You know, it's sort of like, <laughs> oh, it's like you start seeing things. It's like, what was I thinking of? It? Your mind's almost doing tricks on yourself. But I said, God, he said, what would the world do at this time? The world will cuss me. They'll fuss at me. What do you want to do? And Satan would even say this. Go ahead and fuss and cuss. you got a right. You're in pain. So I said, Jesus, I love you. I love you with all my heart. I love you, Jesus. And you might as well go in the face of Satan when you do that because he hates that. He hates you to love Jesus. He hates you to get in. He hates you to trust him. So I thought, let's pour it on. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> it's almost fun. I'm in agony, but I love you. It went right through the 10, went up to about 11.2. I said, Lord, this is old. It's okay. I love you. I mean, if I die, at least I'm saved. Hallelujah. Let's just go on to heaven. It was like mm, pain going through, about the same as it was the first night. And then it's like, Lord, I just, I trust you. Pain comes down. It's leveling off again. Whew. Took the last pain pill at that time. I thought I've got to go through the wall here, and it just really smooths down. I went, 
and it was raining that day, and I felt like I was on a boat just out there smooth sailing. I thought, best sleep I had in a week. I said, God, it's gone, isn't it? And he went, Jenny walked in the door and she said, you all right? And I went, a lot better than I was. Because the last half an hour when she came in, I said, uh-oh, this is, I think, okay. She went on back at the door. It's like I didn't even want to talk. Guess what? Get up, pass the stone. It's about as big as a BB. You say, well, he taught you a lot. Oh, no. Next uh, Wednesday night, my hokey cat uh, never leaves the house. Got out the back door, skated on, stayed gone for two days. Lord, he's on needs to be on meds if he doesn't take his medicine. God says, I know. You're going to trust me again. I taught you with a kidney stone. What's it going to be this time? God, I'd put down a dish and he wasn't there. Tears would come down my face. I thought, Lord, you got to do something. Okay, keep going. Jesus, maybe he's with another family. If that's what you want, that's fine. If he comes back... Let me walk. I walked the neighborhood. You walk two blocks away. You look under houses. Look under. Can I lift your front porch? You know, I was just doing it all. It's like, Lord, where is he? Keep trusting me. Lord, if he comes back, it's great. And if he doesn't, it's great. That's what I need you to say. One thirty in the morning on Friday. Meow. It's probably Tori wanting to walk. Open up. Hokey walks in. Walks in the front door. <laughs> I picked him up, not, not embarrassed to say, I picked him up crying. My first thought was like, where have you been for two days? Wouldn't tell me. <laughs> but his fur's gone right through here. Mud was right through there, so he, I don't know if he was under a shed, under some place, and I said, God, you got to help him. And he dug himself out of some place. God says, okay, hokey, start digging. Mud right through there, fur about gone. He gets out and somehow comes back. God must be testing something. Oh, not through yet. Went grocery shopping. It's on a Wednesday, isn't it? I'm, I'm going to get so I don't have Bible study anymore. I mean, it's just killing me. <laughs> Go grocery shopping. Got their groceries. Put them in the van. I said, Jenny, you jump in. I'm going to be a gentleman. I put all the groceries in. Pushed it back over. Put the buggy in the corral. Got in the van. Driving down the road. Happy days. They're here again. Jenny says, where's my pocketbook? <laughs> I left it in the back. Drove back to there. A couple of weeks goes by. Everything's gone. Now, God, the kidney stone and hokey, I can, I need Jenny's pocketbook. You trust me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know who's got her pocketbook? You know who took it? You know who's got it? I need it back. Okay. I said, Jenny, don't get a license. But i got to cancel the cards. Cancel them if you want to. I'm going to go to the DMV and get a lot. She finally waited till Friday. person called at 10.30 Friday night. Found your pocketbook. We left it in the Kroger's parking lot at Rutgers. They found it in the Food Line parking lot about six miles away. I don't know, maybe somebody just picked her pocketbook up and decided to go to all the grocery stores and shop or something. <laughs> What's going out of her pocketbook? $3. All the credit cards are still there. All the checks are there. Everything's there. They stole her Abuelo's gift card. Anyway, um, basically $3 is gone. What's God teaching you about trust? He's been at me for about two months now. And I said all that to say this. I'm just like you. So here's what portion that he's letting me have. 
He says, how much of the Holy Spirit controls you? And I said, well, I think it's more. And pretty soon I just finally said, God, you control me. You fill me. I'm yours. Can I give you a little bit of a reminder? I want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit was like alcohol, would you be this? Under the influence? Oh, occasionally. You know what under the influence is? It's like it's, it's changing you a little bit, but not a whole lot. Or would you be this? Would you be intoxicated? That means totally controlled. Or would you be this? There'd be no effect at all. Or finally this. How about the verse is this? Ephesians. There's a verse in Ephesians 5.18 that says, Be therefore, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He compares them too. So I'm not too crazy. Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled, just as though you were drunk on the Holy Spirit. So as you, Oh, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, I can tell you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you've always got the Holy Spirit in you, but you are now controlled. And the Holy Spirit never leaves you. Remember that. That's doctrine right there. Don't ever think, Holy Spirit left me. I sinned. No, you don't. I'm almost finished. I've got to give you a picture. How many of you feel really bad when you sin? Just me? I guess, no, a few of you. How many of you feel like God says, you are sure rotten? Do you ever feel that way? I mean, I do. I think, God, how can I look you in the face? I'm going to give you hope for tonight. If you go home and sleep with this thought, it's a great one. God does not say, you old rotten scumbag. He does not do that. Well, I sinned. I really let you down. I know you have, but I forgive you. Oh, I don't feel very forgiven. I don't feel. Wait a minute now. If you've got Jesus in your heart, here's who I see when I forgive you. That's Jonathan Falwell. I happened to meet him one day. He and I are church planners together. He runs Thomas Road. I run LifePoint. He's got 22,000 members. i got 40. But, well, you know, outside of that, we're pretty. And here's my conclusion for you tonight. My closing thought. Jonathan would probably agree with me. I agree with him. If Jonathan sins, he feels bad, but he just knows he's learned this lesson that God doesn't look at him. He looks at Jesus. And here's what I, I want to encourage you. When God saw me weak and not trusting a lot, he doesn't say, you old rotten thing, you. Here's what he says. Nigger, I forgive you. Well, I don't feel very forgiven. I don't feel, I feel like I've let you down. But he says, I don't see you when you mess up. Since Jesus lives in you, you know who God sees when he looks at me? He sees his person. That's true. That'll change your life if you would just let that sink in. So God says, can you imagine, I sin, and since Jesus lives in me, it's almost like Jesus turns to God and says, would you forgive me? What do you think God's going to tell his son? Oh, you got it. That's what he does. So I say, God, would you forgive me? I don't feel like I deserve it. Oh, Edgar, you're not. I'm looking at Jesus when I look at you, and I'll never say no to my son. You got forgiveness. What else you need? I need some grace. You got it. I need you to help me to trust. Okay, that's going to take a kidney stone, your cat being gone in a lost pocketbook. You sure you want that trust? Okay, here it comes. <laughs> but he sees me right there. Can you think of that the next time you sin? And that way you'll go, you know what? God sees his son in me. So he's not really angry. Oh, that's a lie out of hell there. He's not angry at you. Is he disappointed? Might be disappointed occasionally, but he never looks away. He says, I got you. Come on. Bow your head and close your eyes. Jesus, as we close tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed out of reverence to you,
Jesus, you see me, but really you see your son because, Jesus, you live in me. So thank you, God the Father, for giving us your son on Calvary. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and taking my place, and therefore you give me the, the choice of choosing you or rejecting you. I chose you as a little boy at eight years old. And Lord, sometimes I feel filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's controlling me and I feel great. Other days I feel like I've set the Holy Spirit to the side and I'm trying to run the show and I'm not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I feel like the Holy Spirit's barely got a word out. So Jesus, tonight maybe my friends listening to me right here would say the same thing. They say, I don't feel like I've let the Holy Spirit control me. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd do a work right now on everybody under the sound of my voice, that you'd convict people when they think, you know, I've been doing things I shouldn't do. Holy Spirit, would you convict them of that, but would you also remind them that you'll forgive them? And then, God, you look at us through the eyes of your son, and you can't be mad at your son. I thank you that you see him and not me because I feel pretty rotten at times, but I'm grateful for you, Jesus, who... Uh, puts a new face on me right now there's got to be at least a few of us that feel like I need to ask God to forgive me and let the Holy Spirit just start controlling me not just a little influence occasionally but to start filling me and controlling me and start making me that new person I've been that way before but I've just slowly got away from God well then it's time to come home you're like my little kitty cat hokey it's time to come home maybe you've been a long time since you've sat down and really talked to Jesus. Well, tonight's your night. So with the quietness of this moment, would you, uh, you don't have to say it aloud, but say something like this. Dear Jesus, uh, I want to come home. And I ask you to forgive me for not putting you uh, first place. And I ask you to forgive me of all the things that I do that just aren't right. And I know them. They're not, even when I do them. So would you forgive me? cleanse me and Lord may there be evidence found in my life that I'm a saved person that people would look and see evidence of you because it's so strong in me so help me to get back where I should be start controlling me and filling me and using me and if you've prayed that then we're the people of devil when we do that sin shall not be our master but the Holy Spirit will be so God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit you speak to hearts in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.